On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, from Calgary to Cooperstown, the Baseball Hall of Fame calls upon former Canon star Edgar Martinez. They say patience is a virtue. For Edgar Martinez, he's no stranger to waiting around. Whether it was getting to the major leagues in the first place, being patient at the plate in his long MLB career, or most recently for a call from the Baseball Hall of Fame. But in his 10th and final year of eligibility, the Seattle Mariner star finally got the news as Hall of Fame President Jeff Idelson made the announcement Tuesday afternoon. Over 18 seasons with the Seattle Mariners, Edgar batted 312 with 309 home runs and 514 doubles, retiring as the team's all-time leader in runs, doubles, walks, RBI, extra base hits and total bases. Seven-time All-Star, won five Silver Slugger awards, finished among the American League's top five and on-base percentage ten times three times leading the league. He drove in 100 or more runs six times, scored 100 or more runs five times, and won a pair of batting titles. Taveo in Cooperstown, Edgar. Martinez joins a trio of pitchers in this year's class. He, along with Mariano Rivera, Roy Halladay, and Mike Musino, will be inducted officially this summer. Alberta baseball fans were treated to the early years of Edgar. He first arrived in Calgary to play for the Cannons in their inaugural season. In 20 games during the 1985 campaign, Martinez hit 353 with 14 RBIs. He was sent back to the Cannons in 1987, where he hit 329 with 10 home runs, 66 RBIs in 129 games. The following season, 1988, was a breakthrough season for Martinez, where he hit a phenomenal 363 with 8 home runs and 64 RBIs in 95 games. His final stint in Calgary came in 1989, where his average was still a hot 345 with three more home runs and 23 ribbies in 32 games. Martinez was asked about his time in Calgary when he spoke with the media in a conference call. Great memories. Calgary was a great town, great great place for me to play. A lot of great memories I had, a lot of success uh, playing for the Cannons, and um, it was a the stepping stone to to the big league, so it was. Um, I had a lot of great memories in Calgary. He was also asked about some of the people he remembers. I remember Ross. Uh, the the owner was a great, a really good person. Um, had great uh, interaction every time I talked to him. It was great interaction. He's just a great, great man. Um, and the people from Calgary had great memories. It just. Great people, uh, and uh, uh, I felt really good um, when I was around uh, the town and around people in Calgary. Um, a lot of great memories. Now, when Martinez speaks of Russ, he, of course, is talking about Calgary Cannons owner Russ Parker. And that's where we start this special edition of the podcast. Parker had a viewing party in Calgary with some other baseball followers awaiting the announcement, and I had the chance to speak with him. Let's go back to the very beginning. When he arrived in town, what was the word around him? What was the scouting report that you had received? And what were you expecting out of this uh, youngster in 1985? Right. Well, we were told that uh, he was going to be a short-term fix for a third baseman that had gone down on the injury list. And uh, 
but not to expect too much offense, but he was a pretty good glove at third base. So, uh, <laughs> you know, as it turned out, when he came and joined us, he really was a bit of a punch-and-judy hitter, you know, and he wasn't driving the ball, a bit soft liners to the opposite field, but, you know, no one worked harder, no one got to the to the uh, practice before him. Early in the afternoon, he'd take extra extra hitting and and do whatever. And then, of course, the following year, he started driving the ball up the gaps and off walls. But, no, initially, we, we were not expecting too much. Mm-hmm. When you look back on his time, what sticks out to you in terms of his personality and, and what he brought to the diamond as, as a youngster? Well, again, his work ethic, you know, and he just was was always willing to uh, to get out on the field for extra work. And, uh, you know, he was sent down on three different occasions from Seattle after he'd been called up. And normally the, the rule was that baseball, coming down from AAA, you were allowed, I believe it was 72 hours to report back to the AAA team. And Edgar was always there the next day. And uh, so I will always remember that. But... For sure, nobody worked harder at uh, honing his skills than, than Edgar. So. It's a fascinating thing when you think back on guys who get sent back to uh, the minor leagues that uh, early in a career. It can be a little disenfranchising. It can be a little bit. Uh, you can be a little bit annoyed, maybe. But did you ever get the sense that he was uh, he wasn't thinking very highly of the Mariners at that point by uh, sending him down so frequently? Well, you know, like most players, I think he felt he belonged up there. Uh, he had some good ball players ahead of him, so he had to be patient. And Dick Williams, the manager at that time with the Mariners, he was the guy that always wanted the veteran guys. Uh, didn't have the same patience as some managers with the young players. So, yeah, he was uh, he was a little disturbed. Uh, but you know what? He was just determined to get back up there. I've read the story about uh, how he used to put t- numbers on tennis balls and put them inside the uh, inside the the cages, and when they when he was hitting them, he'd call out the number as if he was paying that much attention to it. Uh, any kinds of drills or that kind of thing that you remember him doing like that, or uh, just to give us a little bit of an idea as to what kinds of things that really stood out about his work ethic that he was doing on a day to day basis. Well, you know, that's an interesting question. I can't recall exactly other than the fact that, you know, he was just out there taking ground balls and he was happy doing it. You know, he was just, he was such a uh, a nice individual, a good person. So, you know, he wasn't a complainer. I mean, he obviously, you know, he felt that he was maybe somewhat being overlooked at times, but no, for him, it was just uh, all about doing what he had to do to, to get back up there. When you think back on that time, do you ever think to yourself yeah I knew that guy was going to be a big leaguer or yeah I knew that guy was going to be uh, one of the best at his position or maybe even a Hall of Famer did that ever cross your mind when he was here well I don't know about the Hall of Fame thing but I certainly felt that he was a major leaguer uh, because of his uh, approach to hitting I mean he, he you know he was the one person you wanted to come to the plate in an RBI situation because he would make contact. He would do whatever he had to do to put the ball back in play and advance a runner. And then, he, you know, then he developed that the power that went with it. So uh, you could see that. And, you know, the one year, of course, uh, 80, it was 87 year, 88, where he became the league's uh, MVP, and deservingly so. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about what it means to have him in that Hall of Fame conversation and to be able to 
talk a little bit about the the cannons and and that and bring baseball back into the forefront here in Calgary? Well, it means a lot. I mean, as you know, when we look back at you know, we had some wonderful, highly talented players that that went through Calgary, and but you just someone's they just stand out because of who they were, and uh, so. Uh, you know he's he's so deserving of it. I mean he's he's put up the numbers and he's had an amazing career. So when we look back, we've you know some of it has happened here. I mean obviously the lower minors as well, but it's what he did in Calgary that I, obviously that got him back up to the major leagues. And then he was he was ready for whatever it was that he was going to be facing. And it's been a it's been a remarkable career and one that I followed uh, followed closely. Mm-hmm. One of those things too, where when you're watching, did it ever did the the idea of him being a DH ever dissuade you from the idea of be, him being a Hall of Famer? Because I, the numbers are there, but some thought that maybe because he didn't play in the field that he didn't deserve to be uh, in Cooperstown. Yes, I know that discussion has has gone on at major league level and among the voters for some time. So uh, you know, I guess you, he was a pretty decent third baseman also until his his knees gave out on him he, when he had you know he was up there in Seattle there he was playing on the AstroTurf for a while. Mm-hmm. But no, I think because of his uh, his issues with his knees, it, you know, otherwise he would have he would have played more at third base. Although he was replaced by Mike Bowers, a former cannon yes. as well. <laughs> But no, uh, he had he you know he put up amazing numbers at the plate and did it over a long period of times. When you look back on the years of the Cannons, where does Edgar rank in terms of uh, best performers here in Calgary and here in Alberta? Uh, even and this is not to say that the, even the ones who didn't go on to prolific MLB careers, but where does he rank in terms of the the best that came through uh, Foothills? Well, he would be right at the top, I would think. I mean, we we had some wonderful ones. I mean, you think of Omar Vizquel, uh, what a talent he was, and you can, we'll never forget uh, what his baseball, uh, what he displayed night after night after night. But it was a short time here. You know, Edgar was here, like I say, for parts of three seasons. But we had some, you know, obviously a number of really good, you know, Brett Boone, I can think of him, and Harold Reynolds. There was a really... Great number of of players that I you know probably put up almost uh, Hall of Fame numbers over their careers, but he would be the one that I when I think of the the one pl- player that I think is most would be most deserving uh, of all the cannons he it would be him. Absolutely, it's uh, it's been incredible to watch him and and his performance. Uh, final question for you is: Are you planning on heading to Cooperstown for the actual ceremony? Oh, absolutely! No, I wouldn't miss it. No, and I, I, I spoke with him in Seattle about three years ago. I guess I was down there for the, uh, for the U.S. Open Golf uh, Championship okay. there, and uh, we got a chance to visit uh, very briefly. And at that time, interesting enough, I said to him, "You know, it's time you got back in baseball," because he was on the field that night, just with a lot of other dignitaries. And he said, "Well, I, I think I'm going to probably think about that." The next day it was announced in the Seattle paper when we were there that he he was their new hitting coach. Unreal. It's funny how that all comes uh, full circle, and and especially given that he had such a talent there at the plate, it makes perfect sense to have him teaching some of the younger ones as well. Russ, I appreciate the time, and thanks so much for joining us. Oh, anytime. Thank you.
We continue the podcast with a man who spent a lot of time around the Cannons, both for and covering the team. Radio broadcaster Mark Stevens started up the Remember the Calgary Cannons Facebook page about a year ago, and we chatted with him in the last couple of days to talk about Edgar's trip to Cooperstown. When you look back on his arrival, 1985, first year of the Cannons being here, it was only a kind of a cup of tea in a sense in that first stint here. But what really stands out to you over those three or four seasons that he was a part of the Calgary Cannons organization? Well, first, he was very good right off the bat. I mean, there was little doubt that he uh, had just a confidence about him at the plate and just a presence that you knew he was going to be a very good player. And that's exactly what happened. He uh, just stood in there, right-hand hitter, extremely patient. That's one thing, too. A lot of guys think they can just, uh, you know, swing their way to the big leagues. He was very patient and stood in there. And, uh, you know, it was clear he was a pretty well-crafted hitter and that uh, good things were on their way. Talk a little bit about his demeanor. I mean, he's a young kid coming up through the system, and it's one of those things. You're you're probably up in Canada for one of the first times ever. It had to have been a little bit of a culture shock for him. Yes, it was. He, he was uh, quite quiet, uh, and there was also the language barrier. He wasn't completely fluent in English. Uh, you know, it was a heavily, fairly heavily accented uh, Spanish. He's from Puerto Rico and New York City. So there was a bit of a barrier there. Uh, you know, it was hard to, he wasn't unpleasant or anything, but it was a little hard to break through just because I think he's generally quite a quiet person anyway. And then, as you say, far away, and there's a bit of a language barrier as well. He, he spoke well enough, he understood well enough, but I don't think he had 100% confidence in his uh, language abilities either. One of the things that stood out to me when talking to Russ about Edgar last year about the possibility of him being uh, inducted was the fact that when he first arrived, he was thought of as being more of a, a defensive specialist. In fact, his his hitting was sort of suspect at the time. Talk a little bit about that uh, that shift from being that defensive star to being a, a hitting sensation and, and the kind of work that he had to put up uh, here in Calgary. Well, there's no question he put in a lot of work because uh, you're right about that. He was a guy that came up and uh, almost always played third base. And, of course, that was a role reversal in the major leagues. He was almost always a designated hitter there. But, no, he was very good. He had a good steady arm. He had a good presence. Probably wasn't quite as uh, mobile as you like at third, but he was very good. And, uh, you know, his hitting was important. But, uh, no, he was a very steady third baseman. And, uh, you know, I'm surprised he didn't play more at the big league level. But that's their decision. And maybe it was just a function of age. But, uh, no, he was a more than a capable third baseman. And, uh, you know, at a relatively young age, he was thrown into uh, playing third base here and did for uh, much of the next four years. One of the things that I've seen about him as well is he used to take tennis balls and put them in the pitching machine and he'd have them numbered. And the focus that he put into it was that he would, as he was swinging, tell you what number was on the ball. That's how focused he was and laser focused he was on making sure that he was paying attention to every pitch. Well, there's your story right there on how you get to the Hall of Fame, right? If you have that kind of focus, that kind of dedication, that kind of uh, insight into hitting and want to improve your craft so much that you would do things like that, uh, that's how you get there. I mean, it's an extraordinarily difficult skill to be a major league hitter and be an accomplished major league hitter, and you have to put in that kind of work, and that's what he did. So uh, in a nutshell, that might be uh, Edgar Martinez and how he made it to the big Hall of Fame. When you saw him play, did you ever think back in the the mid to late 80s that, hey, this might be a guy that might make it to the Hall of Fame one day? 
Hall of Fame, no. I, I can't lie to you. I thought he'd be a very good long-term accomplished major league player, but uh, Hall of Fame, uh, probably not. The thing that you look at his stats is he never really had, until the very end, much of a drop-off. I mean, he, uh, you know, several years between batting titles, he was always uh, well in the 300s. It was pretty remarkable, his consistency and his durability as a designated hitter. I mean, after a while, they start to figure out. But, uh, no, Edgar was pretty remarkable, pretty amazing. Uh, but I thought he'd be an accomplished major leaguer. But I, I can't sit here and say that Hall of Fame jumped off the page at me. But, uh, nonetheless, he's earned it. But uh, I, I did think he'd have a, a very solid big league career, yes. Needless to say, this is a bit of a feather in the cap for the Calgary Cannons organization. But at the same time, um, this might be one of the only times where a cannon actually gets inducted into the hall. Talk about the significance of that. Well, you're right about that. I did, uh, you know, a little work. You look back through it and, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that had a good time here and then went to the big leagues and had good, but maybe not great careers. Uh, you know, Dave Burba had some 20 win seasons and played pitch well for Cleveland and Cincinnati for many years, but you're talking the best of the best. The only other name that comes to my mind is Alex Rodriguez. His, uh, you know, stats and totals would certainly suggest he's a hall of famer, but there's a lot of baggage that comes with him for off field stuff. And there's been others that have been caught up in all of that. So I don't know what his situation is. I think it's going to be something, uh, you know, for the voters to decide in a few years, but all I can tell you is people like Barry Bonds, accomplished players, and Clemens aren't in the Hall of Fame, and uh, will Alex Rodriguez fall into that trap as well? Other than that, I, I'd i be surprised if there's really anybody that gets serious uh, consideration for the Hall of Fame, uh, despite all the great talents that came through here. Right around this time, when we get a, a big announcement like this and the potential of a Hall of Famer, that kind of thing, everybody kind of waxes nostalgic a little bit and especially around cannons and I mean we've talked a little bit about foothills you and I have on on different occasions when you look back on those years of the cannons what sticks out most for you well, I think, first of all, just I guess because I'm a little bit of a purist, just the opportunity to see such an elite level of baseball, such a great array of talent, both, uh, you know, uh, cannons and visitors coming through here on just a regular basis. Uh, they were all right here. Uh, what stood out is just that it uh, became such a fun go-to place for so many of the years. Things diminished in the uh, latter years when people just wouldn't come out in the cooler weather in April and May. But, uh, you know, just the talent, uh, just the overall fun uh, you know for the first few years after the team left I was regularly getting emails or people stopping me asking me about this player or that player or where did this coach go and things like that so you know and what was also exciting is it happened more than once that you'd watch a guy at uh, Foothills or Burns one day and then Saturday he was on TV uh, pitching in a Yankee stadium or somewhere like that. It was quite a, uh, you know, amazing ride to see so many players move from one to the other. I mean, Barry Bonds played here and uh, so many of the others just came through here and uh, it was uh, pretty amazing, I got to say. And that's one of the things that you're kind of focusing in on. Uh, you created the Remember the Calgary Cannons Facebook page for that reason. Talk a little bit about the, the memories that you've seen so far shared uh, surrounding the organization. Well, a lot of them have been very good. Just people just saying how much they missed it. And, uh, you know, people had said they worked there and had a lot of fun. People would say they would bring their daughter or son for four games a year, five games a year. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we have had a player, Brett Boone, jump in and say, I missed that. It was so great. And, uh, you know, just a lot of great memories and nostalgia. It's a lot of fun. Uh, this all started, I guess, ironically, uh, as you were talking about with Edgar's possible induction last year. I said, well, I'd be kind of neat to do something 
something about it. And then uh, I said, well, somebody should do something about it. And then I said, I guess I'm a somebody, so let's do something about it. So I made up the page roughly a year ago today and uh, have really enjoyed it, diving back into the books and seeing some of the uh, stars and some of the great players that uh, came through here. And not only that, but you get to see some of the old school swag as well, right? And bring that out for good reason. That is kind of funny, yeah. Some of the old... Uh, backpacks and squirt bottles that uh, were given away and dragged the jacket out. I kept it in a kind of a, a you know, spot in the back of the house there. And now I got a reason to drag it out and put it on, which uh, I will do surrounding Edgar's uh, induction announcement. Thanks to Mark Stephen as well as Russ Parker earlier on in the podcast for joining us. That'll do it for this edition, but if you head on over to albertadugoutstories.com, our own Ian Wilson has penned a great story on Edgar and his Calgary connections. It includes quotes from former teammates like Brett Boone and Mario Diaz. We also, of course, want to again congratulate former Calgary Cannon star Edgar Martinez on being named to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Thanks again to all of you for listening and supporting Alberta Dugout Stories.